Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. And today we are joined by Shit Show Kate. Hello, Shit Show Kate. Hi there. Who would have thought when we met that we would be sitting here today? Oh my gosh. Uh, I definitely would not have thought. (laughs) So, Kate and I met at a, um, in San Francisco, at a Florida State football game watching party. And, um, yeah, I thought you were just a normie. <laughs> well, I kind of was, yeah. except that I'm getting out of a relationship with an alcoholic as we met. So we had more in common than we realized even then. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you reached out and said that you were listening to the pod. I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've been a staple in, in the community. So it's been really amazing getting to know you on a deeper level. Yeah, it's been really fun to see you take this on and see where you go with it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we are kind of on a similar journey as well, but we'll get into all that. So I think that today is going to be really good because I think it's going to be a perspective, a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I think that you have a bit of a, a unique story to perhaps what we've had thus far on Shit Show Saturday. Um, I don't want to say like milder, but just manifesting in a different way. Um, and a lot of your stuff has come up through work as opposed to, well, I mean, there's been some relationship shit too, but primarily it's been with your relationship with work. So I think that, yeah, I think that there's going to be a lot of people listening right now who are going to be able to, you know, deeply resonate with you perhaps more so than they have with other people. So let's get into it. What song do you want played when you walk in a room? Wild Child by Brett Denon. I have never heard that song. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of an indie artist, but I love him and that's my anthem. Okay. Um, what is your favorite carbohydrate? Pasta. Pasta. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite condiment? Oh, uh, ketchup or relish. Relish. That's a, that's the first time we've had that one. So what do you put relish on other than a hot dog or a hamburger? Anything else? Yeah. You could put it on like chicken patties, mm-hmm. maybe barbecue stuff still, mm-hmm. but I also sometimes mix it in tuna salad. My mom does that too. Um, okay. And the cheese mm, smoked Gouda. Fuck. Yes. Uh, worst first date you've ever been on. Oh my gosh. It happened at the same bar that you and I met at. With the Patriot House? uh, Yes, that's the name of it. And it- That's not where it was originally. Where was it originally? Well, it was that place that was off the alley. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it was called. I don't remember either. It turned into like a burger bar. Was that where it was or at the other place? Yeah. So it was at the place- Wow. Mm-hmm. That we don't have the name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> During a Florida state game, which should have already been my signal because whenever it was somebody I was not excited about, I would pair it with something I was already doing or that I had something else, you know, like a distraction. And so I was looking out for him to come through the door and he truly walked right past me. He looked nothing like his picture. 
and like older, fatter, like what, like face transplant, what all of it. Okay. All of it. And we had nothing to talk about the entire game. We just watched the football game in silence. And then at halftime, when people started talking, he asked if he could take my dog for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) The bar. (laughs) And then to make matters worse, he stayed through the rest of the game and then wanted to share an Uber home because we were going the same way. And in the Uber ride, he asked if we could have lunch the following week, but there was a caveat. My dog also had to come to lunch because as he said, we were a package deal. (laughs) Yes. So I said no to lunch. I let that go. And then about a year later, he became one of my coworkers. Really? Yeah. At Salesforce? Uh, No, at another company. Wow. Yeah. How was Talk that? About- was that weird? It was awkward. Did yeah. it get less awkward? No, okay. I was about three levels above him. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming you said no to lunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you lay that one out? It's just straight up. No, thank you. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So I think I know the answer to this, but how did you find out that you were an adult child? Oh, Well, I think through you, Mm -hmm. I had a long healing journey, but I didn't have the name to put to it until I saw you promoting your podcast and had a listen. And then as soon as I read the laundry list and started reading the big red book, it's like, ding, 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 ding. Yep. There it is. So tell me about your adult child bottom, even though you didn't really know it was an adult child bottom. Yeah. Well, I kind of had two. So similar to people that you've had on the podcast, I had one where I was coming out of a relationship and then I had one that was sort of different than that. So, um, about 10 years ago, I was in a really challenging startup and I had an alcoholic boss and was struggling with that was really down. And my mom was having some health problems. And she said to me, I will not rest easy until you marry somebody who takes care of you like I do. Mm. And that sparked me getting into a relationship with this guy who was an alcoholic and a codependent. And I stuck with it for two to three years. And when I came out of that relationship, I had no concept of myself. I had just lost everything. I had just left that also kind of abusive job and that's when it really started. I feel like that was kind of that initial rock bottom and I got into therapy. I got into Al-Anon and CODA um, and, but I never had a name to put around it or I never really dug deeper into the childhood aspect of it. It was very much what was in the present. And then I continue to be in this cycle of having alcoholic bosses Mm. and I did that for about five more years Mm. until I was at my breaking point and I wanted to leave my corporate job and I was struggling with my identity. I felt like if I left, who was I going to be? Uh, And so I sought therapy for that, for identity. 
And in one session with my therapist, I kind of said, listen, I've had this string of bad bosses. There's got to be something to this. I have a part in it. And he said to me, I really appreciate you taking responsibility for this, but it's not your fault. It's systemic. You just need to leave. Mm. And it was such a missed opportunity Mm. that if I could have pinpointed it there, that would have helped me so much. But instead, fast forward six or eight weeks, your podcast pops up for me. And then that was really the solidifying moment. It's like, yep, that's the role that I'm playing in this. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Yeah, I feel like I also had a similar experience with, I don't know if they were alcoholics, but the bosses that were very representative of my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, really saw like my, I think I probably shared this, but really saw like my, what I believe to be as like my greater, greatest qualities as, as liabilities and really just trying to dim my light. Yeah. Make me smaller. It was a constant power struggle. I felt like, and the role that alcohol played was never that clear because there was always alcohol present in technology. We'd have kegs in the office. If you didn't go out for drinks after the end of a month or a quarter, then you were looked at as being weird. And so it was just sort of a given to me um, until I started to realize more of the patterns. So what, how did you, how would you show up in those relationships with bosses? Like what did, what did your role look like? Hmm. There was always a bit of that power struggle. Like I mentioned, I had some fear of authority, but then I would also push back. Yeah. I would push back and I was constantly afraid that I was going to be fired. If I had meetings pop up on my calendar without anything, I was like, this is the end. The jig is up. Um, and I'd stress out. And I think the biggest thing was lack of trust. I had several people tell me that they felt like they couldn't trust me. And that shocked Mm -hmm. me because I was always straightforward or what I thought was straightforward. But then when I'd look back at it, I didn't trust them either. Not at all. Um, And so what that would lead to was me either feeling like I was a victim or I was just really drained. What do you, what do you think that they were picking up on that? made it seem like you weren't trustworthy. I think it was people pleasing. Mm-hmm. I was just showing up how I thought that I should show up, not mm-hmm. actually authentically. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about your upbringing. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> the juicy part. Okay. <laughs> All right. So different from a lot of people in the Patreon, I did not have parents that were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. I'm a grandchild of alcoholics. So we had them on GCOA. Yep. GCOA. And my um, grandparents on my father's side kind of hit it. And um, my grandfather on my mother's side passed away when she was four. So she had all the effects of it without the actual experience of it. So that left a lot of questions for her. 
Uh, my mom was a codependent and my dad was a dry drunk and a narcissist. Mm -hmm. And so and I thought that that what you shared, I think we played it in one of the should show Saturdays when I played part of the episode, but you were talking about your dad and the abandonment stuff. Mm -hmm. Remember that? I think so. My dad never physically abandoned us. He was home every night for dinner and he was a pretty regular figure in our life, but he was not emotionally available or intellectually engaged with us ever. And he would travel on these trips. He'd lead tours and be gone for months um, sometimes. And what kind of tours? They were natural history tours. Um, and he'd go away and I would be like, good. I hope he stays gone. Mm -hmm. We're like, you know, why do we have to take him to the airport? Just let him go. And so I picked up on that very early on that he didn't really want to be there with us, even though he was. Well, I, I think it was the comment that you said to your mom about why, why should we be upset about him leaving when he seems happy that we're, that he's leaving? Yeah. What was it exactly like that? Yeah. I didn't want to take him to the airport. Mm -hmm. And she asked me why. And I was like, well, what's the point? Like he just, he's desperate to leave, let him go. Mm. And then when did they get separated? How old were you? Uh, I was around 30. Oh, so they, I didn't realize that. Yeah. They were married for 39 years. Wow. And the final breaking point for my mother was she had pneumonia and her friends had brought food over for her and they were watching the news together. And he looked over at her and said, what's for dinner. Mm. And she told him to go and make himself a plate. And he went and made it only for him. And he didn't bring her anything. So then, so what, I always like wonder about the difference between, um, somebody whose parents get divorced when they're young, as opposed to somebody whose parents get a divorce when you're well into adulthood, what was that experience like for you? Glorious. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. The honest answer is nothing changed. Nothing changed for me. And my mother will still say that nothing changed for her mm. because there was a void anyways. So it was just like, okay, you know, that's over. That's done. He's gone. Life moves on. Same old, same old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have a brother, right? I do. Mm -hmm. What do you think that his experience was in the home growing up? He was completely oblivious to all of it. When he went away to college, we talked about it. And he said, I just now realized what other families are like. Mm. I had no idea mm. what that could be like. Mm. Yeah. Hi. Okay. So... When you read the laundry list for the first time, what, what blew your mind? Most of them did. <laughs> Honestly, there were only a couple that didn't resonate, mm -hmm. like becoming an alcoholic or marrying an alcoholic. That was one that I did not have. But when it came to things like approval seeker and losing your identity in the process, being frightened by personal criticism, isolating stuffing feelings, all of that, uh, really resonated. Mm -hmm. What? 
you've kind of already talked about it some, but I thought we could touch a little bit more just into like the, the complex trauma showing up like in the workplace. Is there anything else in there that you'd kind of like want to dive into as far as like trauma responses, as far as it either relates to your coworkers, your subordinates, your bosses? Yeah, it showed up in all three places. So I'll start a little bit with where it showed up for me personally. I was absolutely a perfectionist. I had a fear of failing, which caused me to overwork Uh a lot Uh and always be on edge. And then I would hit my limits and then I would procrastinate uh, because I think I was afraid of outshining people or reaching some of my goals. And so then I would self-sabotage and put limits on things or start to feel guilt. Uh Um, And now I'm realizing that what I thought was this strength of being able to have a lot of accomplishments was really just me being an overachiever to prove Mm -hmm. my value. Uh, Because when I'd reach a goal, when I'd make a big commission, I didn't care. I just put it in the bank and move on. And next time, like next time it needs to be bigger. I never actually enjoyed it or it never really had meaning to me. Mm -hmm. It was never good enough. Yeah. And then with coworkers, I always sort of felt like an outsider. Like I was really weird and misunderstood. Um, and which I surprises would, me because I feel like you're so like, I just feel like you're somebody that everyone would love. And well, but it's not about what was really going on. It was yeah, more yeah, about how you I felt. Was. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And I'm seeing that now because I have friends from every every move that I've made, every job that I've had, every city that I've lived in, I have a handful of really good friends. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I struggled there, but I felt like I did. And I felt really weird. And typically the relationships that I would form with would be with people who also felt the same way or struggled. And we would typically kind of overshare and rely on one another and get close in that way in order to feel like we belonged. And then with my bosses, I, touched on it a little bit, things like fear of authority and always feeling like I was at risk for being fired. Um, I also felt like I would kind of try to cut corners in order to perform. And I thought that this was a strength, right? I thought that, gosh, I'm so smart and so strategic. They should love that I do this. And I never understood why people never seem to like appreciate and want that. Mm. They just- and the way that they wanted it done kind of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was always a struggle with the boss too. So talk about what healing has looked like for you. Mm, well, it's been a long process. I've done a lot of therapy, which has helped with the awareness piece of it. But really the game changer for me was a connection that I got through your podcast, which was somatic experiencing. Mm-hmm. I was terrified to take that on. I knew there was a disconnect in my body, but something just told me do this and do this now. And three month intensive program. in that was just an absolute game changer. It helped me clear out so much of the past to get clear on what was really going on. Um, and then to actually have strategies to work through it moving forward. Was there any big particular nugget that you took away from that? The importance of doing it when you're not triggered. Mm. So 
focusing on regulation throughout the day and throughout the weeks so that then when things would come up and I'd be triggered or dissociate, then it was easier to get back into that state or to recognize when I was headed towards that so I could start to work on it um, before I really went down that rabbit hole. So what would that look like? It's a lot of breathing, Mm -hmm. focusing on the breath and then going inside of your body instead of being in your head. So looking at what is showing up for me? Where is there tension? What does that feel like? Are there colors that are associated with it? What's behind it? Um, What else comes up where it moves and then being able to just allow that to process through instead of having to find a reason for it or attach meaning to it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted, I think we're similar in the sense of like shifting from a career perspective into something that's meaningful and fulfilling. I'd love to hear about what this process has, has looked like for you as far as mm, discovering what, what is important to you, discovering what provides you with fulfillment, discovering what your, your greatest strengths are and what the process has been like, as far as transitioning from working for, you know, some in corporate America and some very large companies to, being an entrepreneur? Wow. Big question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll start with shifting from the corporate side into the self-employment side, because I think that's a good framework. When I was in corporate America, it was really easy to know what was expected and how to show up. Mm -hmm. There was kind of a blueprint there. So being the people pleaser, being the chameleon that I was, it was easy to slot myself in Mm. and just a little bit lost. I could show up every day without actually showing up, so to speak. And so when I started to think about what my natural preferences were, what I really wanted, that was really hard Mm -hmm. because it was just, well, I should want the next promotion. I should be going for a specific pay level. You know, I want the awards, all of these other things that were kind of normal to shoot for. And then, and most of the time I got them anyways. And so that was sort of what led to this isn't enough, or this doesn't actually matter to me at all. And it wasn't until the pandemic hit when we didn't go into the office Mm. anymore, Mm -hmm. when we weren't going out and socializing and getting a lot of external energy that a lot more crystallized for me. Wow, I really like being alone. This is really nice. (laughs) I lost a bunch of weight because I wasn't constantly carrying things around and I wasn't going out and eating and drinking. I was so happy. And that really helped to push me away from realizing, okay, I don't need to live in this gorgeous apartment in San Francisco. I don't even need to live in San Francisco anymore. I can be anywhere which that had been a big part of my identity and suddenly being isolated and having things shifted helped unearth some of that for me. But that's what started the process of really realizing, okay, who am I really? What do I truly want? What's most important? And it's just been a lot of sitting with it Mm -hmm. and, and trying things being able to cue into my body and say, okay, am I anxious because this is new or am I anxious because this is not what I want? Mm. Or do I, 
you know, do I really want this title and this prestige or do I really want just validation (laughs) of some kind? Uh, And I can get that elsewhere. So it's been a little bit of a process of looking at that and navigating through it. And now that I'm connected into my body, I get a much better read on what really does resonate um, versus just what was built up as an expectation before. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk about the type of work that you're doing now? Yeah. So I left my corporate job in November and took about six weeks just to kind of sit on my ass um, and let well deserved. Yeah. Um, and see if I could just sit still and not, uh, jump into something immediately. And then in January, I started uh, a coaching practice full-time and it's really focused on helping people who are in that corporate environment, but are feeling burned out or like they've been languishing for a long time, figure out what it is that they need to reconnect to in order to gain fulfillment again, whether that's trying to move up and have more power or whether that's moving on, doing something completely different, um, or oftentimes just reconnecting with themselves and making minor tweaks and things that um, align back to their values or their talents mm-hmm. as opposed to going along with status quo and what they think is really expected of them to succeed. So in that arena, what are some books that you think are must reads? Mm-hmm. Well, I think for everybody, somatic experiencing and understanding the nervous system is really important because that is really the baseline that helped me reconnect to everything and see things clearly. So for anyone who's struggling, I think um, it's a Peter Levine book, Um, kind of all of his work is around that, but that was really helpful and getting the help of somebody to walk me through that and to have a plan that I was committed to as a baseline, honestly, everyone should be doing it. Mm -hmm. So much work to be done there. And then uh, the book that really made a huge difference for me and what I teach on now is The Big Leap Mm -hmm. by Gay Hendricks. Mm -hmm. And that's taking an understanding of how our childhood has impacted, how we show up now and what we're willing to accept in terms of success money, love, everything. Uh, And then it moves into once you've worked on how much you can accept pushing those boundaries and really going towards what is uniquely suited to you and what brings you satisfaction as opposed to these just things that we get, these patterns that we get into or these roles that we play because it's easy for us. It's not actually part of what we're really good at. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So tell me three things that you like about yourself. (laughs) I most of the time like my voice. (laughs) Uh, It's gotten me through a lot of sales. People used to call me customer Xanax (laughs) (laughs) because they could put me on the phone with people who were upset and I could talk them down and through it. Nobody would leave a call um, pissed off after that. So I think that's kind of a unique point for me. I like my ability to learn and grow despite all the challenges that I've had. I've always been able to push those boundaries and just keep moving forward. 
And I like the way that my mind works. That's beautiful. What is a, a vision, a hope that you have for your future? Hmm. I want to have the ultimate freedom. So uh, it starts, of course, financially. I've always worked to have the ability to choose, to choose where I live, how I live, what I do, um, what I want. But to be able to break free of these systems that I've grown up in thinking that I have to be a part of. And I'd like the freedom to redefine what success looks like, what fulfillment looks like, what love looks like, all of it. Mm, That's beautiful. So where can people find you? Where do you, if you want to be found? (laughs) Sure. Uh, I'm not huge on social. So, um, I do have an Instagram account, but it's just pictures of my dogs pretty much. So if you want to see a dog, uh, you can find me on Instagram at KTX007. And I do a lot of writing on LinkedIn. Perfect. Probably the best place to connect with me, um, as well as my website, which is kateturnercoaching.com. Well, I know who the biggest fan of your um, Instagram account must be. <laughs> Who do you think that the guy is? from the date? <laughs> Your package deal, baby. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he follows me or not. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you wherever yeah, you are. Wherever you are, dude. Mr. Snooze City, <laughs> Snooze Fest USA. He probably is just emotionally healthy. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know what? I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you. You're very welcome. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adultchild. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adultchildpod, and give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.